1: Hi everyone, it's Kev here. Just a big shout out to say thank you to all of our wonderful Patreons for supporting the show. You truly do keep the show going. When you sign up to Patreon, you don't just support the show, you also receive these episodes 48 hours before anybody else. Not only that, but you receive extra episodes in the downtime between seasons. And also, as a thank you to our wonderful Patreons, I'm also doing a short extra episode each week, called dark bites as well as a longer episode once a month so if you wish to sign up to patreon you can go over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal if signing up for something isn't for you you can also support the show by buying us a virtual coffee the link for that will also be in the show notes anyway let's get on to this week's show From Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 3. Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal. Today we're going to look at a topic that we did broach in Season 1, and it happened to be one of our most successful episodes ever. I am of course talking about The Witch. As we will hear today, witches haven't left us. We always have the image of the witch being some old crone or hag, building a house in the woods and enticing children into their lair, or maybe riding a broomstick around the town of a night. But, like everything, witches move on. They've progressed. They've found their way into society. And they can either be quite vocal about that, Or they can remain silent. And we'll never know exactly who are the good-natured ones. White witches just celebrating nature, the sun and the moon. And those who are more, shall we say, nefarious. In today's story, it's genuinely quite hard to try and decipher whether we're dealing with the light or the dark. The listener who sent the story in must have really went through a quagmire as a child as you're about to hear and even more so when those aspersions about good or bad need to be cast upon family members however, before we get to today's paranormal experience I just need to say a quick thank you to people who've either signed up to Patreon or bought the show a virtual coffee so I'd like to say a quick thank you to Alison, to Kimberly Breslich And Asher's Nicole, thank you guys, your support truly means the world to me. And now, without further ado, turn down the lights, leave your disbelief at the door, and join me in the dark paranormal. I've been sitting on this story for a while now, waiting to share it with what I felt would be the most fitting podcast. And I believe I've found that with your show, The Dark Paranormal. My experience is both dark and paranormal, and 100% true. You always ask people, rightly so, to suspend their disbelief when looking into the paranormal. And my story, really, requires the same approach. Firstly, I'd like to state I had a lovely childhood. This experience aside. And my family members, even the ones who feature in this email, were actually lovely people. You'll understand why I feel the need to reiterate that when we reach the end. I grew up in the Midwest. Not exactly a remote area or town, but small. The sort of town where you know every person in it, and their business, and they know yours. But it was a joyful and pleasant place. People looked out for each other. Neighbours helped neighbours, that sort of thing. I'm 47 now as I write this. So my childhood was before the tech boom which gave us all mobile phones and the internet. If my mum wanted me, she'd stand on the step and holler instead of sending a text. The sun was our timer for when we needed to be heading home after playing out. It sounds almost Victorian by today's standards, but, and I know it's cliche to say, it felt like a much better time. Anyway, I digress. My mum and dad divorced shortly after I was born, and dad split from town shortly after that. He died in a hit and run in Florida when I was six years old. But as I never really knew him and was six when it happened The news kind of washed over me at the time As such mum always had it hard Working three jobs at times just to try and keep a roof over our heads Therefore my grandparents, her mum and dad Helped us out greatly They lived just three streets across from us in a small cul-de-sac Up to the age of maybe 14, their home was like my second home. I'd often stay over if mum was working late, or I'd head over for meals and things like that if needed. So much so, I even had my own bedroom at their house. Now, although the setup may seem disjointed, I honestly think it was a wonderful family dynamic that I had, with not just a parental perspective, but a generational one from my grandparents. Yes, looking back, my childhood was pretty amazing. But, I have one or two things I've never shared with anyone about my childhood. These things aren't that amazing. In fact, in hindsight, they're pretty darn terrifying. It's only with hindsight I've been able to piece together things that were said. Clues that I missed... Things that I've seen, and came to the conclusion that, as unbelievable as it sounds, I strongly believe that both my grandparents were witches, practicing a dark witchcraft. Let me again reiterate they, consciously, didn't ever do anything but love and support me, and I don't believe that, whatever they practiced, necessarily made them evil by default. It's important for me to get that across. They were two wonderful, loving human beings, and I miss them greatly. So please think that of them, despite what you're about to hear, as contradictory as that sounds. The first thing I recall didn't strike me as unusual at the time. In fact, I thought it was not only perfectly normal, but it was a beautiful thing, I was playing with a ball in my grandparents' back garden one summer evening when their pet cat, Arthur, came trotting from behind a hedge with a bird in its mouth. I screamed and ran to the house. My grandparents ran to see what the matter was and I garbled through tears that Arthur had killed a bird. My nana smiled and stroked my hair and said, Don't cry, darling. It was just his time to go. But I was inconsolable. So much so, my nana nodded at my granddad, and said, Let's see what we can do to help the little fella. They picked the bird up off the floor and headed outside. I watched them both cup their hands around the little corpse and dip their heads, eyes closed. Then... They looked to the sky and both smiled They lay the bird on the floor And my nana called me outside Come see darling I walked slowly outside Still wiping the tears away And there, to my amazement Was a perfectly healthy little bird Chirping away before taking flight Say bye bye, my nana said to me And the three of us waved to the little miracle as it flew away. How did you do that? I asked, as a little boy now convinced that my grandparents had superpowers. He just needed a little hug and some TLC is all, said my nan. That evening, I watched as grandfather went to the back garden with a net and a shovel. What's grandad doing? I asked my nan. Oh, we have some pests in the back garden and your grandad just needs to get rid of them, she said and I didn't question it. Later, Grandad came back, saying all done to my Nana with a big smile, and we made popcorn and watched a movie before bed. That next evening, I was again in the back garden kicking a ball about, when I mis-kicked the ball and sent it behind the shed. I walked around, but the little space behind the shed was blocked by a piece of wood, with an oil drum in front of it, I moved both of them out the way and walked down the dark, narrow walkway. I could see my orange ball towards the end of the walkway, against another piece of wood, which acted like another wall. I bent down to pick it up, and then fell back at the sight that was in front of me. Nailed to the wood were a rat, a squirrel and a field mouse. Each had been nailed hanging upside down. The nail driven in just below the base of the spine. Above each of them was a dark coloured hastily painted circle. Inside of which was an upside down triangle. And inside of that a small cross. Here was I in this tight space with this horrific sight in front of me. I started to hyperventilate and everything felt like slow motion. I ran as quick as I could into the house, screaming, pointing, and saying, there's a dead mouse, a rat and a squirrel, nailed to the wood of the shed. Grandad flew out of the back door whilst Nana sat me down, shushing me and stroking my hair. Grandad's gone to look, she said in a calm voice. Now, calm your breathing, darling. She talked me through some deep breaths. Then Grandad came back in. "'There's a dead rat, mouse and squirrel, all right. "'They're not nailed to the wood, though. "'They're just on the floor. "'I think Arthur must have got them and takes them there. "'Cats do this sort of thing, sadly, son,' he said, ruffling my hair. "'But I saw them on the wood, and there were paintings above them. "'Well, I've got rid of the vermin, "'but if you want to come and look again, son, you can, "'and you can tell me where you saw these paintings.' He held my hand and we walked back out. As we approached, I could see almost straight away that the paintings were gone. The wood, however, was now wet on this perfectly sunny day. They were there, I punted. Hmm, well you know your eyes can do spooky things when you get a fright, son. Sure must have been scary finding three dead animals just like that. I just nodded, confused. Again, just to jump back to the present, even typing this out doesn't do justice to just how normal this all felt, and just how comfortable and loved I felt. However, here's the thing. Just one of the many that make me send this email, and this is just for starters. A few weeks later, I got into a fight at school, I ended up with a black eye and as my mother was working my grandparents were called in. In the car on the way home my grandfather said did you at least give him a black eye too? In truth I hadn't. I'd landed one punch in his gut but basically I was the only one with any obvious damage. But toxic masculinity starts young so I said yep it was pretty equal. Nana jumped in Did he start it or did you? He had started it, out of nowhere, so I told her so. Then that's not equal, she said. Intention is worse than the damage sometimes. She turned around. If someone means you harm, you need to give it back, threefold. Grandad just nodded as he drove. Wise words, son. You should stick to that. If someone gets you you get them three times as good. That said, if someone does something nice for you or does a good thing, then you do three good things for them. If you don't, son, you'll find people stop doing you favours, and the ones who are out to get you won't stop. Now, without painting by numbers, looking back, I find it strange that a clearly dead bird managed to spring to life and three other animals were killed within the next 24 hours. In case it's not obvious to anyone by now, I believe my grandparents used this rule of three to bring that bed back to life, because I was so upset. And then my grandfather removed any evidence. You could say that the memories of a six-year-old boy can't be trusted, and it's more likely that I elaborated the entire thing. However. There's more yet to come.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: Like I said, we were never financially in a good place when I was young. However, one day, we received a windfall. I recall my mum bursting into my grandparents' house excitedly, my granddad running down the stairs quickly to see what the commotion was, and then my mum and my grandparents going into the kitchen to have a hushed but excited conversation. I could tell it was a positive one, as I could hear the noises you would associate with such. Laughter, high-pitched voices, all-round relief. Now, I need to jump in time a bit to explain this fully, but in later life, I discovered that after initially refusing any insurance payout, the insurance company who were in charge of the claim for Dad's accident had a complete 180 change of heart and paid the claim out in full. This allowed my mum some breathing space, and let her work only one full-time job, like a normal mother, freeing up time for me and her, and for her to have some modicum of a social life. Obviously, I didn't know any of this as a boy. I could just hear this, evidently happy, conversation going on in the kitchen. But here's what I did find that day. As the adults all laughed and talked and hugged in the kitchen, I shouted through that I was going to play in my room, upstairs. All three shouted, OK, son, back to me. So I headed upstairs. I stopped on the landing. The ladder to the attic was down. Grandpa must not have thought when he raced downstairs. Now, I'd seen this ladder down before, and even got halfway up it once, only to be scolded by my grandmother about the dangers of ladders and falling from heights, and how I should never go up this ladder without one of my grandparents with me. But, you know, I'm six, here's the ladder, everyone's occupied. It's safe to assume that like any young inquisitive mind, there was only ever going to be one outcome. I lightly stepped up the ladder, gingerly making sure there were no creaks or obvious climbing sounds, and slowly but surely, I made my way to the top rung, peeking my head in to the dimly lit attic space. I stood there on the ladder for a few minutes whilst I looked around and gauged where would be best for me to pull myself up and take my first few steps. It was in doing this that I noticed the light, the dim light, was in and out, flickering on the walls. I panicked and realised it was the light from a flame. Was the attic on fire? I had to see. Maybe I could stop a disaster and be a hero, I thought. Strange that six-year-old me had thought that, but then me now, as I fully understand the danger, would be straight out of there. I jumped up to the attic and held onto a support beam for balance. And that's when it came into view. At the far end of the attic, there were a number of candles on and around a small table. On the table was a picture of my father, stood outside of a bar. However, it had been drawn on. Someone had taken a red marker pen and drew a line from one hand to the other. Then from the middle of that line, They drew one straight line up to his head, ending in a T which covered both his eyes. This line then doubled back on itself, going down through the original line to the very bottom of the picture. The line continued off the photograph and onto a dollar bill, which was placed immediately underneath it. I took a step back to try and take it in, and that's when I noticed there was a fine powder around both the picture and the dollar bill, like a sandy circle. The candles placed in a rough circle around the entire scene. I heard voices coming into the living room and quickly retreated to the ladder, hastily but as quietly as possible, moving backwards and jumping the final step before scurrying into my room. I heard my grandfather reach the bottom of the stairs, still in conversation with my mum and gran. He then paused and ran up the stairs faster than a man his age should have been able to do. I heard him curse under his breath and then he slowly opened my bedroom door. "'Are you okay?' he said. i just grabbed the nearest comic I could "'and threw myself on the bed. "'Yep, I'm good.' I said glancing up at him he shot a few glances towards the ladder and then back to me I um I left the ladder down by accident you didn't try to go up did you I'd hate it if I caused you to hurt yourself no I didn't even see it was down I lied he slowly nodded and smiled okay son silly grandpa he said and he closed my bedroom door the next day "'I was staying at my house with Mum, "'and after dinner, I tried to ask a few questions. "'Uh, Grandpa has a picture of Dad with scribbles on it,' "'I said whilst playing with a toy figure. "'Oh, really, honey?' said Mum, clearing the dishes away. "'Yeah, uh, red lines.' "'She stopped. "'Where did you see that?' "Uh "'Uh-oh, what could I do here?' I didn't want to lie, but I also didn't want to say that I'd been in the attic. Using childhood discretion, I decided, stupidly in hindsight, that a mix of the two would be suitable. Oh, it fell out of the attic when I went upstairs yesterday, but I managed to throw it back up. I didn't go up the ladder or anything. Mum paused. The attic, you say? I just nodded. Mum then told me to play upstairs as she needed to make a call. I obliged and loudly went upstairs, before creeping back to the top of the stairs to listen in. Although I didn't make out much of anything, I could tell she was angry. I heard the odd thing, like, you said you were finished, and I can't believe you'd lied to me. Mum was getting so angry, I decided it would be best to just retreat to my room, As if she caught me listening whilst this angry, my life wouldn't be worth living. We didn't go to my grandparents' house for some months after that. It's funny how adults try to hide falling out from kids. But kids aren't stupid. And even though I didn't know the full story, I knew that for whatever reason, my mum had fallen out with my grandparents. Over time, they worked things out and once more we would go round to see them. In the time we hadn't spoken, their house had been renovated, and Grandpa said he had a surprise for me. He took me upstairs, and there was a full staircase now going up to the attic. Go up, he said with a smile, and I did, at speed. Opening the door, all of my things from my old bedroom were here. The room had been fully converted into my bedroom, skylight and all. I couldn't even place where it was I'd seen the table and the candles. Such were the changes within. Again, they left me to it whilst they went to have what was clearly a reconciliation chat in the living room. It was a great day, I remember fondly to this day. And that afternoon, we played in the sunshine outside. Me, my mum and my grandparents. My picture of a happy family. On the way home in the car, mum asked if I liked my new room. Which I did. I loved it. She then said she had a little surprise for me when we got home. Spoiler alert, it was a Spider-Man poster for my new room. However, the mood in the car soured instantly when I uttered with a smile, Ah well, that means I have to get you three surprises. She pulled the car over to a lay-by and calmly said, Why did you say that? Clearly aware this wasn't just a normal pit stop, and having just reconciled with my grandparents, I said something like, I, I, I just made it up. She said, right, okay. And after a few minutes of silence, she started the car. As we pulled away, she said, Honey, you don't have to get me anything. And then a few minutes later, Has your grandparents ever said anything to you about the number three? Um, no, I said. Lying. Okay, well, if they do, I want you to tell me. In fact, anything you think's a bit weird or scary looking that they do, I want you to tell me. Just like you did with Daddy's photograph, okay? I just nodded enthusiastically. It was clear looking back. She was aware of whatever it was they'd been doing and had put a stop to it. And now I realise the attic conversion may have been their way of showing they were stopping for good. I still don't know what my mum's history was with that attic, but from all her reactions, I know there's something there. Something that affected her majorly. Life became somewhat normal after that. Trips to my grandparents no longer included anything that may hint towards the other. It was just a good, loving, standard family situation until my grandfather died. It was traumatic for me, as I was around ten, and he had obviously became the closest thing to a father figure that I had, and I was devastated. We moved in with my grandmother so she wouldn't be alone, but this only seemed to slightly delay the inevitable. She became irritable, and as strange as this sounds... She kept telling us to both shush at random moments, raising her hand to her mouth. She would then turn her head as if listening to something, something neither mum or I could hear. Mum seemed to take all of this in her stride, until grandma started talking to the people who weren't there. At least, we couldn't see them. And here's the thing, there were always angry conversations, once she even stormed out of the kitchen exclaiming I've had it with you but when I went into the kitchen right after there was no one there. Mum took Grant to the hospital for checks and apparently she was found to have dementia which the sceptic in me understands will explain the conversations she was having with no one and that would be all fine and good except for one particular afternoon. Since we'd moved back in with Gran, Gran seemed resentful of my bedroom in the attic. For example, she stopped calling it my bedroom, and would just refer to it as Grandad's attic space. I'd also find her just stood in the middle of my room, wearing all black. As a side note, she only wore black after Grandpa died. But even so, seeing a black figure in your room when you're not expecting it, is enough to terrify a small boy, I promise you. So this one afternoon, mum was working and I was due to be at a friend's house in the same street for a birthday party. However, the birthday boy became ill mid-party, so his parents walked us all home to our houses. I walked into the living room and called Grandma, but there was no reply. So I went to the kitchen and got some snacks and headed up to my room. As I started on the staircase to the attic, however, I heard voices talking in my room. I sneaked closer. One was my grandma, and the other I couldn't quite make out. I crept up further. As I neared the top, the second voice dawned on me. It was my grandpa. I reached the door and slowly opened it. However, as my hands were full of snacks, this didn't go to plan and my snacks dropped and bounced down the stairs. Then my bedroom door flung open and it was my grandma in a black dress with a black veil over her face and she tore me a new one for sneaking up on her. As I stood frozen with shock as she screamed things about decency and manners at me, I glanced behind her and could see she'd pulled out a side table and lit candles. In the middle of the table was a framed picture of my grandpa and my grandma on their wedding day. A red marker line going between both of their chests and then dropping to the bottom of the picture. Something, and to this day I don't know what, was directly underneath the picture. I burst into tears and ran downstairs... Grandma didn't come to see if I was okay, which was unusual, and I just stayed in the kitchen by the back door. Mum eventually got home and I ran and hugged her. She asked what was wrong and I said Grandma was acting strange upstairs. Mum ran upstairs, and after a few moments, screamed. A dreadful screaming I can still hear to this day. I ran up the stairs shouting, Mum! and burst into the room that the noise was coming from. It was grandma's bedroom, and my mum was holding my grandma's motionless body. She was neatly tucked into her bed in her pyjamas. She was dead. In the ensuing few hours, people came and went, and I made my way back to my bedroom, expecting to see the remnants of the scene I'd ran from earlier. But my room was spotless, Nothing out of place. Grandma died of a massive heart attack it seems, but I can't help but think that instead of age and fragility, it has more to do with that small altar I'd seen her set up. So that's my story. Apologies for the length, but I wanted to get everything down as I remember it. I know memory is fallible, and I'm recalling things from almost 40 years ago but this is how I remember it. And hell, even if there's like a 5-10% error on my side, that 90% is still enough to terrify me today as a grown man. Thank you for reading this. I love the show. No, thank you, listener, for sending that story in. Such a brilliant tale and such a terrifying experience to have At such a young age. It really asks the question. Just how well do we know our families. And also what powers and entities and energies. Are there outside us that we just don't know. Or just can't comprehend. Well I know what topic I will be looking at following this recording. I think that's where we'll leave it for this week. So until next time. Don't forget. If you're discussing the paranormal. Always leave your disbelief hanging on a Kopeck and you can join me back here next week in the dark paranormal.